Hey everybody, welcome back to Clean Slate Farm. Today we're talking with Eric Rochow from Garden Fork TV and Garden Fork Radio. And uh, we're going to talk about bees today a little bit because Eric posted a video recently about uh, wax moths. And we've both had wax moth problems. So how are you doing today, Eric? I'm good. It's Monday. I know. It's a great day, isn't it? Yeah. The sun's out. If I can wake up and walk and talk, I'm quite happy, you know? <laughs> Celebrating another day above ground. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about wax moths. You did a video about wax moths, and I had a problem with them last year, and I have a problem with again this year. But talk to me a little bit about what you did with your wax moth problem. Well, there I didn't invent this, um, but for people that are listening that don't know what wax moths are, they are a parasitic moth that um, lays its eggs in the honeycomb of beehives. And the honeybees are usually pretty good about either thwarting the moth or taking the larva out. But in a weak hive or a dead hive, the larva will flourish. So it's like cata- it's like silkworm caterpillars in honeycomb. Yeah, they're nasty. And they eat, I think they eat mainly the pollen that, that's kind of residual in the cells. And it's a horrible mess. You basically have to throw out. If you're having plastic frames, you can scrape them off or you just have to throw out the frames. A lot of times I just burn them. Um, yeah. And if you have a dead hive and if it dies in the middle of summer and if you don't get to that hive, um, the moths can lay their eggs. And if you, you usually have to put the hive frames in a freezer uh, overnight to kill the larva or the eggs. Um, and you might miss that. It might be a couple of weeks before you get to the hive or something. So uh, friends of mine in an urban beekeeping group we have here in Brooklyn, they uh, talked about, they said, oh, well, just spray your hives with BT. And I'm like, what? You know, and BT is, is Bacillus thuringiensis. And it like is that, a yeah. naturally occurring organism that will, depending on the variant of the thuring- Bacillus thuringiensis, it will target a particular kind of caterpillar. Oh, I didn't and know that. It is not toxic to bees. The um, organisms do not kill bees. They will parasitize the the moth larva, kind of like um, you know those uh, tobacco caterpillars that yep. get on tomato the tomato hornworms. Yes, they are parasitized by a wasp, and they have these eggs sticking out the back. It's very similar to that, um, and the larva evidently are invaded by the organism and the organism reproduces within the larva of the moth and then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes even a bigger mess, yeah. So you can buy BT online. You can buy it at the orange or blue store. Um, and I got a little pump sprayer, a garden pump sprayer, and you just lay out all your frames and you spray them till they're wet. You don't want them dripping, but you can get a very fine mist mm-hmm. on a $10 pump sprayer now. Yeah. And then, boom, you're done. Yeah. Now, if somebody's going to try this, and I'm going to do this myself because I've got frames, uh, you can go to Eric's uh, YouTube channel, watch the video, and he's got a link to that uh, BT on Amazon, and Eric will get a little little bit of change. I, yeah, we got a little finders for you. Yep. There is a, um, a powdered version, and I think it's like a five-pound bag, and you use a tablespoon per gallon. So if you're part of a B group or you have some B friends – one of you can buy this and it's like nine bucks or something, you know, and then you could just share it with everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't, it has a shelf life, but I don't think it has a really long shelf life. Yeah. 
Now, you said about summer hives that have died. I did that, and now I have a huge problem because I had uh, we had five hive, four hives, five hives, and two of them died, and I just took the boxes, put them on a piece of plywood, opened them up because the bees were in there and wasps, and they were robbing the honey. And I figured, just let them rob the honey, do their thing. And it got down to a certain point, and I went back, and I opened them up, and I looked, and it was they were full of wax moths. So I just put them in the barn and figured over winter, the freeze will kill them, and I'll take care of it. So that's what I'm doing now is every day I go out and I clean. I've got probably 70 or 80 frames that I have to clean up. Yeah, that gets old real quick. <laughs> oh, it got old after the first five frames. It was old. So I'm cleaning them up, and I'm going to buy the BT and spray it on, and hopefully that will take care of that. Because it's it, Does it have a residual effect? Yeah, I don't know how long it lasts. I, mm-hmm. I, it's um, It lasts long enough that any eggs that are laid in those frames uh, will be toast. But the whole thing is, I mean, the, the moths only last until, what, September or October. So if you're taking apart a hive, what I do now is I spray it with BT and then I stack them. And underneath the stack, I have a spacer frame, which is the same uh, – dimensions as a uh, super and i put really fine mosquito screening across the bottom i saw that and in the video then i stack them all i met and uh, you can tape them if you have gaps and at the top i do the same thing where i put a screen to allow airflow but that fine mosquito screening will keep opportunist wax moths from flying in and laying even more eggs so once you have cleaned out the frames sprayed it with bt to store them i just kept them right at we have a, a rooftop apiary Mm -hmm. i just leave them up there and i put the mosquito screening between them sometimes you can put them between each super i mean the stuff is so cheap yeah yeah um because they what what happened like when they die in the middle of the summer is the wax moths are already in the hive and then when it dies they're they just go to town so you kind of have to you got to jump on it right away otherwise it's going to happen yep and i didn't and that's why i'm cleaning 70 or 80 frames now i also have a video on on our YouTube, Clean Slate Farm YouTube channel, about wax moths. And it will show you the damage and show you the larvae uh, and the caterpillars. And it, there's also a neat little thing that was happening. A, a wasp came in and was fighting with a wax moth, and it killed the wax moth and flew away with it. And I caught that on video. That was kind of cool. But, oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, so that's what I'm ending up doing with mine now. And I'll get the BT and I'll spray them before I put them back together. Because th- we have three hives left. And they're all knock on wood somewhere. Uh, they're alive. And I'm like happy going into this part of the year. So it's working out really yeah. well. We've, I'd always, for people at Ocean Air, think about beekeeping or have new beekeepers. Um, you're not out of the woods yet until April. Right. So. Because they could be alive now, but I've had it where all of a sudden they're like, they're like, oh, okay, they're alive, they're in there, and all of a sudden they just they crap out in the beginning of April. Yeah, yeah, I've had them where they go until like the end of March, and it's like, yay, we're good, and then like the first week of April we're gonna freeze, and it's like, oh god, there they go. Yeah. Now during winter, you when do you open your hives, or do you open your hives at all during winter? I'll crack them if it's forty degrees, and um, I put dry sugar on the top it's called sometimes it's called the mountain camp method or a dry sugar method Mm -hmm. i lay down a sheet of newspaper i put a spacer up there or i build a um an insulated inner cover which i have on my site uh, which has a built-in gap 
Mm-hmm. And then I lay down dry sugar, like four or five pounds of it, and it serves as a moisture absorber and an emergency food source. And so I just crack it open. I don't split the supers. I just make sure that that sugar is still there because sometimes in the middle of, of the winter, they start eating that sugar. And so I'll yeah. want to go in and fill it back up again. Yeah. Sometimes they ignore the honey and eat the sugar. I don't know why. They did that to me a couple of years ago because I built mountain camp feeders Based on what I saw on, on your videos, I put together some mountain camp feeders, and that's the way I feed. Uh, and I put it on just for emergency. But you open up at forty. I won't. I don't. Well, we're a lot more northern up here, but temperature doesn't. I do matter. it really quick. I'm not like, oh, oh look at. I'm like, boom, yeah. boom. I'm yep. buying boom in out. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I and my hives mine. are wrapped with polystyrene. So yeah, you wrap your hives now. I don't. I wrap. Used to wrap with um, tar paper. And this yep. year, I didn't, based on what I saw on Devin Ron's site. Devin Ron is a beekeeper up on northern shore of Lake Ontario, and really, really good. I'll put his website and videos in the uh, show notes here. But he's a pretty pretty sharp character. And I didn't wrap this year, and I don't know if it's making a difference or not, because all three hives are still alive. You put polystyrene around yours, and that seems to work for you? Yeah, it, um, it, it, well, it, I think it does. There is a uh, new, there's a crowdsourced, crowdfunded little micro trip out there, which I am blanking on right now. Um, and I think I have one across the room here <laughs> that you can monitor the interior temperature of your hives and it has a little Bluetooth um, connection. Oh, cool. And so I'm going to throw that in the hive, one of the hives this year. Mm-hmm and experiment with that oh yeah send a link to that that would be fun to take a look at and maybe play with now Devin ron up in canada has an interesting way of overwintering bees he uses a queen excluder on top of a deep super on the bottom for brood chamber and then he puts mediums or deeps on top of that lets the honey go into the top takes the honey off and he only leaves the, the brood chamber the outer cover and that's it and that's how he overwinters. And I thought, wow. And it kind of makes sense because there's not an awful lot of air. And the bees aren't heating the air. They're eating just a cluster. Um, right. Yeah. Maybe try one hive that way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because that way, if it doesn't work, I don't kill all three. Yeah. <laughs> now, you use a slanted bottom board I saw in the video also. What kind of advantage do you see out of that? Because I use solids. Well, I have a I have a screened bottom board. Okay. Um, with a with a with a cover that um, it's a piece of that plastic core mm-hmm. stuff that they they make those political signs out of. Yep. Um, the screen bottom board allows any varroa mites that fall off a bee to fall through the screen and out of the hive and die. So it's a um, a passive way of helping control varroa mite populations. Mm-hmm. And um, I also I'm kind of a I think in the middle of summer. That ventilation is really good because it helps cure your honey faster. And we're on a rooftop in Brooklyn, so it's even more necessary to the point that on the the inner covers on the top are also screened in the middle of summer because it gets so hot up there. But right. I have a the screened bottom board, and then I have a slatted rack on top of that. Okay. And I think the slatted rack offers a little more space in the summer when the hive population is just booming. It might decrease the swarm uh impulse a little bit and it also helps in the winter because you're keeping the bottom frames a little bit away from the entrance and i mean i 
have the entrance closed down to um, a very small uh, entrance. But anyway, I, I think it keeps the bees a little better. Mm-hmm. It gives a little more space. Yeah. I mean, they were like nine bucks. So I was like, yep. okay. <laughs> and you're running all mediums or all deeps? I, I run all know. mediums okay. um, because I just don't want to blow my back out, you know? Yeah, that's where I'm in that position now where I, I build all my frames. I'm going to be building all my frames and I build all my hive bodies. I think I'm going to go to eight frames because I have a, a bum back and it's just, you lift one of those things up full of honey and that's like 70 pounds, 80 pounds. And it's not easy when you're, when you have bees yeah. trying to bite you and sting you. And so. I run nine frames in a 10 frame medium and mm-hmm. uh, it makes it very, very doable. And it's also a heck of a lot easier to um, cut open the comb when you're hard, when you're extracting the honey, because on a, when you have nine frames in a 10 frame box, they actually draw the honeycomb out a little farther and it's much easier to cut that comb off. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about doing that too. I might, maybe I'll do that. Give that a try again. I'll experiment because that's what life is all about. Experimentation. Are you running deeps or mediums? I'm running mediums, but I'm going to yep. build deeps for brood chambers and try that on at least one hive, maybe two, maybe three. It, the whole process seems just to make so much sense. There's um, a company called Man Lake, which is a beekeeper supplier, and yeah. they have these neat notched metal guides that drop into your mediums or your deeps so that you can convert the 10 frames to nine and it automatically spaces them. So, oh. And they're metal on the edge, and it seems that the bees will put less propopolis along the metal edges there. So mm-hmm. there are these little, they're like three bucks for five of them or something, you know? Yeah. So you just, you hammer them into um, where that rabbited edge is along your, your supers and your frames drop right into these pre-selected slots. So it's spaced evenly nine frames across a 10 frame box. Do, do you fun. use those? Yeah. I'm all about simple. <laughs> yeah, I am too, but I'm all, the bees also, you know, let's just talk about this for a moment. The bees want to do what the bees want to do, and the bees are going to do what they want to do. And the beekeeper, for all intents and purposes, sits back and says, okay, you've got it. <laughs> and you, there's really not much you can do when they decide to do something. Right. And one of the things that really kind of bothers me is I see a lot of times on, on Facebook and other sites, beekeeper sites, where people say, oh, we're going to start beekeeping. I can't wait to get my hive in spring. And that kind of drives me nuts because my opinion, and I think it's yours too, Eric, is start with two. You've got, then you have an A, B test. If one's going yeah. south, it's like, well, why is this one going crazy and this one's dying? You have something to compare it to. And I don't think a lot of newcomers to beekeeping understand how much work it is. Now, because you had hives up in Connecticut, correct? Yeah. And you don't have those hives anymore? You gave them to somebody else to manage? Yeah, I gave them away. It's just too much of a headache. Yeah. Because there's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I, we've got three you hives. Have to drive up there. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, and then the bears get it right. So, oh, yeah. But when it comes time for extracting, that's that's time consuming and it's messy. And I think people just have to watch a little bit more videos and listen to more podcasts like this and do a lot more reading before they dive into beekeeping. Because if you're not willing to take care of the bees, don't bother. You're doing more damage than good. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I actually have a video called Three Mistakes Beginning Beekeepers Make, and thankfully it's really popular. And the first one is take a class. Yep. Um, 
And uh, the second one is don't have your bee shipped. Don't have your bee packages shipped. And the third one, which we don't agree on, is that you need to treat for mites. Um, and people are just, the problem is there's a lot of other videos that make it all sound really simple. Oh, we're just going to dump them in the box and they're going to make honey for us. And yep. no, and, it's like raising chickens. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And the, you turn the handle and honey comes out. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. yeah they, the, the, what's that thing called? Flow hive or something. The flow hive. Yeah. That, that made uh they're be, it's a beautiful video and they're very smart, brilliant design, you know, fabricator designer guys, yep. inventors. But um, it is a solution looking for a problem. And yeah. it's a problem waiting to happen, as far as I can tell, because bees are going to, like, propolize that thing. And it just, I don't know, it doesn't seem to work for me. But yeah, but everyone, the problem is they watch that, and then they everyone's like, oh, it's easy, I'm going to do that. And then they kill their, their bees. Yeah, so. they do. Now, going back to the treatment thing, oddly enough, we've been keeping bees now. This is our, we're going into our sixth year, I think it is. And never had a problem with mites, never had a problem with small hive beetles. Last year, I did a cutout. A fellow a few miles away had a barn, and there was bees in the wall. And he said, can you get these out of here? And I did. And I took the bees, and I put them in our apiary. And guess what I have? I have small hive beetles all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, I brought them in, and if I was smart, I would have put them in a different location, but I didn't. So. Yeah, that's the thing is because in Brooklyn here, are there are other hives, and you know, bees will try and rob other hives mm -hmm. or they'll just, they'll just move in, you know, the wandering, uh, forager. Um, I mean the, the guard bees will let a bee in if I think, I don't know what they say, but they're like, look, if you want to come to work, you're welcome to come. You know? <laughs> um, and then they have mites on their back, you know, <laughs> you want to come to work. Yeah. Come on in. We need the help. So I'm not That's, sure about yeah. mites. I haven't seen an overload of mite mites yet, but we'll, I'll know better in the spring. The other problem is that people like I, we have some bee get togethers and this very naive person came in. They're like, Oh, they just died. And I'm like, well, did you, did you, uh, you know, treat for mites? She goes, Oh, we didn't see any. I'm like, well, no, you're not. Cause they're in the cells. Yeah. I mean, occasionally you'll see one on the back of a bee, but I'm just like, well, there's just, but you've got to look really hard to see one on the back of a bee. Yes. Because I've gone through the dead hives and literally spent like two hours going bee by bee looking for varroa mites on the back. And I, the number of varroa mites that I saw on the dead bees was so minimal. It was like the bees are taking care of it. I'm not going to worry too much about it. And also I do have one, I mentioned earlier, I have solid bottom boards, but I do have one of those plastic slide out ones. Right. And uh, I've done mite counts on that. And I haven't seen an awful lot of activity from mites. So unless I brought them in with the small hive beetles, which I probably did, I think I'm okay. But Well, there's, a, there's an interesting treatment out there now using oxalic acid, mm -hmm. which is considered organic by um, the or, organic regulating uh, groups. Yeah. Oxalic acid is um, it's wood bleach. You can buy it at a hardware store. Yeah. It's but, in spinach. Yes, it's yeah. in spinach, it's in rhubarb, mm -hmm. uh, it's in trace amounts in honey itself. Mm -hmm. And um, the ideal time to apply it is when the brood, the number of brood in cells is very low, which is either uh, uh, usually in late fall. But there's a guy who has a site called Scientific Beekeeping, and I'm not endorsing everything he does. But Rand Randy Oliver? He has a new method where he, instead of the what's called the dribble method or the spray method, where you use a garden sprayer or a a, hy a hypodermic uh, squirter thing to mm -hmm. drop it into the hive, 
he soaks two of those blue shop towel, those Scott paper towels that are yep. blue. They're kind of a thicker paper towel. Mm -hmm. He soaks two of those. I think it's two. I will have to link to the site. But he soaks one or two of those in a zipper bag with the oxalic acid mixture and then lays it between the, do, the two brood supers. And the bees have to noodle with it to get it out. The whole idea of bees are, they don't like paper towels in the hive. Right. So they'll have to work at it to get it out of there. And then the oxalic acid will be brushed onto the backs of all the bees. Um, it also allows the kind of seep or steam into the cells. Mm -hmm. uh, and the cells need to be uh, open, ideally. Right. And that, my friends have had some pretty good success with that. So I don't really like using... Uh, pesticides and these harsh chemicals, but this seems oxalic acid seems to be the least harsh uh, thing, and it works pretty darn good. Yeah, I'll look into that. But I've I've gone natural on ours because when we bought the property, it had the house had been empty for like four years. I know nothing had been sprayed anywhere near us. The farms around us, there's only one market gardener, and uh, the rest is all cornfields and and. What's that stuff, the bean thing, soybeans. Soybeans. And uh, so I know that our property, our, our two and a half acres, is totally chemical-free, and I've never used anything since. And I just, we make from, our, we sell some of our honey, and we also make uh, cosmetics like hand cream and, and lip stuff. And I don't want any chemicals in there. I want that stuff to be as free as possible from chemicals, unless the bees brought it in. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I haven't seen any little bottles going in and out, so... Well, my wife likes the lip balm that you sent, so thanks oh, good. for that. Yeah, it's pretty effective stuff, and it's pretty easy to make. It's just time-consuming. You, yeah. you can't make it in big batches or you screw up the proportions, and then nothing works right. So, Well, you're up in upstate New York for winter, so you have time. So, yeah, Well, yeah, I have time. I, I, have, I work in a restaurant. I, I co-manage a restaurant. and uh, So you have no time. I have no time. <laughs> if you work in restaurants, you have no life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. Now, as odd as it sounds, I have very little idea of how many people listen to the podcast. So I'm asking you to subscribe to Clean Slate Farm on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unless I pay for advanced statistics, all I know is how many times it's been downloaded. And money-wise, advanced statistics just isn't in the cards, which means, for now, that dog don't hunt. So one of the best ways for me to know how well the show is doing is by subscriptions, ratings, and comments. If you subscribe, rate, and leave a comment, I have a better idea of how well the show is doing. You might think with all the technology we have in the world today, there would be a better way. But it ain't so. At least as far as I can tell. So a click on the subscribe button and a few keystrokes for a comment would be very helpful. There is another way in which you can support Clean Slate Farm. If you use Amazon, please use our link to Amazon on our webpage. When you click the link to buy something, we get a small finder's fee, and that helps us keep the chickens in the coop, so to speak. The link is in the menu bar. Finally, if you'd like to see more of what's going on in this neck of the woods, visit the Clean Slate Farm Instagram feed as well, Clean Slate Farm, the same as our Twitter feed and our Facebook page. You can also go to our video channel on YouTube. That's at Clean Slate Farm also. On YouTube, you'll find videos about gardening, cooking, kitchen tips, beekeeping, and more. Right now, there are over 140 videos for you to watch. Let's get back to the show. It's it's kind of <laughs> difficult, yeah. Anyway, so let's move on just quickly to maple syrup because maple syrup season is here, and maple syrup is something we use in our our uh, one of our vinegars or blended vinegars, and 
we have a fellow here that does a, a bang up job that we use, but you do a lot of videos and a lot of maple syrup too. And I just was watching your video on running your tap lines. Any hints that you would like to pass along? It takes longer than you think. That, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> we did it one year and I was yeah. like, I can't do this. It's a lot of fun. I think it's, you know, it's something you can involve your kids in. They can learn about where food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, some people swear that they tap Norway maples and I'm, I'm skeptical of that, but uh, we tap red, red maples and sugar maples and they're abundant in our area. Mm-hmm. And I've more migrated from using a Turkey deep fryer which goes through a lot of propane into a file cabinet evaporator with some steam table trays in it. This is all on the garden fork site. And which, then, um, which is a brilliant idea. And then I got a guy in Indiana, maplesyruppans.com, to make me an evaporator pan for the top of the file cabinet for a very reasonable price. And that's where I am now. So um, I'm running lines now, and I'm modifying the file cabinet to burn better, mm-hmm. have a better fire. And then yeah, it's something to look forward to because about now I'm really tired of winter, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, we're done. <laughs> I'm so done. it I... gets me thinking, oh, oh, this will be fun. I get to like burn wood and, you know, drive my quad around mm-hmm. in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it seems like a lot of, we tapped, we have maples around us and we have a, a sugar maple in the back here and we tapped it the first year we were here. Thinking, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And we boil it down to like a quarter of a cup. <laughs> But it was extreme. It was delicious as anything, and it had a nice uh, stony taste to it. Uh, yeah, it has a mineral quality to it. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. That mineral quality um, usually happens later in the sap season, mm-hmm. uh, and the the sap will be the syrup will be darker later in the season. It's it's usually forty to one. So people are, and then the next question people ask is, well, how many trees do you have to tap, and how many gallons does each tree give out? And I'm like, that's that's there's so many variables there yeah, it's totally you know. seasonal totally yeah the health of the tree does it get sun is it near a road is yep. it in the woods yep the weather yeah the weather can cut the because the weather cut the season short last year because it got warm really quick and the the trees just stop the sap just stops running boom they're done yeah now how many trees do you tap i don't remember it's probably oh, when it's probably 30 Mm-hmm. 30 trees. I run lines. I don't do buckets anymore. Yep. I run lines and I have these, uh, blue food grade barrels. And then, um, I collect it from the barrels with my quad with a trailer. And then I, I boil it all in the backyard. Yeah. I made about four gallons last year. So that is, um, 160 <laughs> gallons of syrup. Yeah. Of sap. Yeah, and I lost a, a barrel. A, I lost a barrel. So. You dropped one. It fell off the truck, or the, the... fell off the trailer. Yeah, yeah, that was about sixty gallons of oh. sap. <laughs> that hurts. That yeah. hurts. Yeah. Now you use gravity feed. You don't use osmosis or anything, or pull anything through, and then and pre osmosis. Is that what they call it? They There's ex- a reverse osmosis yeah. process, which is really energy intensive. A lot of people put a vacuum pump onto the lines. Mm-hmm. But I was just reading the other day where the kind of I use a a narrow tubing with what are called tree saver taps. And evidently the smaller diameter tubing with these smaller taps create a natural vacuum. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to read more about that. But I mean, for me, I'm not out to get as much sap as I can out of each tree. I'm just like, let's tap the trees and whatever they give up is a blessing. You know, Mm -hmm. nature gave it to us. We'll take it. Yeah. 
my issue is that I think people over tap trees and my neighbors do it. And, um, I'm the new guy around and I can't, for me to say something, I'm trying to figure out how to say something and not be, uh, ostracized. Yeah. You know? I, we, we, when we moved down to where we are now from, uh, we used to live in Syracuse, New York, and we moved south of there. It's a small town. It's it, even if, if you call it a town and joined the volunteer fire department, just to get to know people and everything. And you quickly learn that sometimes nothing said is better said. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's there. We're, we're, we're never going to be from here. Yeah. And we, we have to realize that. So now the guy that I get my maple syrup from for the vinegars, he has, I think he put, he, he, he's tapped 22, 2,500 trees this year. And wow. his dad started it, and his dad has a strict policy, two taps per tree. I don't care how big the tree is, only two. Great. Yeah, because they're very conscious about that. And uh, great syrup, great stuff. And then, hey, let's talk a little bit about garden starts, because that's coming up soon. Can we start in seeds soon? Yeah, I got some of these. Um, on the Garden Fork podcast, Rick always talks about these uh, garden gem tomato seeds oh, from, from the Clee. The Clee Lab at University of Florida. And so Rick sent me some. And I've given up on tomatoes in my yard because of the blight. Um, I call it the blight. But basically, it's a very – I'm surrounded by trees. It's a lot of humidity in the yard, mm -hmm. and it, it, it just is hard to grow them. So I'm going to try these tomatoes, so I'm going to start them. And I bought uh, some LED shop lights from Costco. Yep. So I'm going to make a new uh, – grow light rig with those led costco lights and see how that works i'm curious i was thinking of trying that myself and it's a broad spectrum light right i think so rick rick said it would be fine and um he has a lot of experience with led lights mm -hmm. and they're they were more expensive than a cheap shop light but the cheap shop lights the fluorescent tubes burn out all the time yeah they're, so you're, you're constantly having to buy new bulbs yeah as you leave them out all the time they're gone in, in like three weeks they're like shot yeah so yeah, so he seems to make sense. And then um, I think I need to be just get a, a sterile soil material and, and be a little better about that. Mm -hmm. And then just see what happens. But I'm I'd be curious to do the tomatoes because my neighbor is a tomato expert grower and I always get my tomatoes from him. And he I'm sure he'll be curious when I show up with these magnificent clee uh, <laughs> yeah. Now I did last year, I always put in way too many tomatoes cause I make a roasted tomato soup and we freeze it and we have tomato soup all winter long. Yeah. And last year I found this site. It was called the dwarf tomato project and they're, they grow on a, they only get about two and a half feet tall, never to three feet, uh, a very thick stalk and very bushy and it's a determinant. It's not an indeterminate. So you haven't got vines going all over the place. Yeah. And man, those things pumped out tomatoes left and right, and they were delicious. So look into that too. If I have any seeds, I'll send some. If any left, I'll send some down to you. But I'm going to move over to that because I've got to cut back. I put in like 36 tomato plants last year, and it was like, that's a problem. Yeah, because more died and got rotted than anything else, and now I have tomato volunteers coming up all the time. <laughs> the chickens like it, but so it's all about the chickens. Yeah, did you get chickens yet? No, I won't. We um we have a really bad coyote problem, mm -hmm. so it's just uh it's just one more thing I'd have to deal with. Yep. So happy meals for coyotes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, hey Eric, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You had some great tips on 
and beekeeping and some things about maple syrup. And uh, if you would like to visit Eric's uh, YouTube channel, Eric, you want to tell us what that is? Yeah, just type in Garden Fork and you'll go there. Okay. <laughs> just go to YouTube and type in Garden Fork and it'll it'll show up. There's like 500 videos out there, mm-hmm. so you could have fun watching them. Okay. And then your podcast is at gardenfork.be. No, Garden Fork. Go to Apple iTunes and you'll find it there. Garden Fork again. Yeah. Yeah. If you type Garden Fork in the search engine, it'll all show. This. The podcast will be there, the YouTube channel, and the website. So. There you go. Yeah, just type in Garden Fork and you'll go okay. there. <laughs> just go to YouTube and type in Garden Fork and it'll it'll show up. There's like 500 videos mm-hmm. out there, so you could have fun watching. Okay, and then your podcast is at gardenfork.be. No, Garden Fork. Go to Apple iTunes and you'll find it there. Garden Fork again. Yeah. Yeah. If you type Garden Fork in the search engine, it'll all show. The, the podcast will be there, the YouTube channel, and the website. There you go. So. And I encourage you to listen to Eric's podcast. They're great. I, I always listen to them. It's perfect timing for me to go back and forth to work. So I download a bunch and just listen to them. And it's always interesting <laughs> conversations. Yay. Yay. So, But thanks again for uh, being on the show, Eric. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up with you. All right. Very good, sir. Okay. So there you have it. We're back and uh, took a little break over the winter time here with Christmas and New Year's. And then, well, I got laid low with the flu, but we are back. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks to Eric again for being on the show. Uh, Stay tuned. Do subscribe because we've got some interesting shows coming up. We're going to be talking with uh, some small business owners about how they started their businesses and how they progressed. So thanks for listening. Bye bye.